Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. If you live in Tennessee, the last month has been a bit of a blur. Over the last 10 days, thousands have descended upon the legislature, both to protest gun control and the expulsion of beleaguered former representatives Justin Jones and Justin Pearson. It started with the Covenant School shooting in Nashville on March 27th. Six people were killed. And immediately, people began congregating at the Tennessee state capitol, demanding change. And so I was at the state capitol just five or six hours after the shooting was first reported. We were just getting details about the victims, including, you know, three children. Emotions were very high, and I think it seemed like this situation might be a little bit different. Um, But, of course, we really couldn't know um, how things would develop and sort of evolve over the next few days. Melissa Brown covers state politics for the Tennessean. That means she had front row seats for what happened next. House Democrats were very angry that evening. Um, Tensions and emotions were very high. And, you know, Representative Justin Pearson, who is now former representative, um, his mic was actually silenced at one point um, when he was criticizing a resolution to honor the Second Amendment um, from several weeks back. And he was screaming at his colleagues to, quote, do something, do something. Melissa says former representative because Justin Pearson, he got expelled from the Tennessee legislature. So did fellow Democrat Justin Jones. Their colleague, Gloria Johnson, held on to her seat by just one vote. Here's how it went down. More than a thousand protesters gathered at Tennessee State Capitol on March 30th to call for more restrictive gun laws. Some of them made their way inside the building. There were no break-ins, no arrests, no injuries, and no property damage. But the House session came to a screeching halt when Pearson, Jones, and Johnson approached the podium with a megaphone to rally the protesters. Enough is enough! Enough is enough! Enough is enough! Our citizens, our constituents are asking us to act today! And we're here passing laws that have nothing to do with the crisis at hand. What are we going to do today, colleagues? How are we going to address the crisis at hand? The interesting thing is once they kind of got to the podium, Speaker Cameron Sexton gaveled into a recess very quickly. And so the part of their protest at the well that actually broke House rules was really only a handful of seconds from what we can tell, because once the House went into recess, those rules no longer apply. Um, And so from my understanding, the megaphone came out after Sexton gaveled into the recess. And even though the part of the protest before recess was only a few seconds, it ended up being about 45 minutes to an hour where leadership were milling around. We weren't quite sure what was going to happen. I think the entire time 
everyone was just waiting to see how things developed um, because it was an unprecedented situation. But I think we knew that sanctions would be coming. We just didn't know how far it would go. First, Representatives Pearson, Johnson, and Jones were stripped of their committee assignments and their access to the Capitol. Then on Thursday, the House voted to expel Pearson and Jones. Less than four days later, the Nashville Metropolitan Council voted to send Jones back as an interim representative. Pearson might return to his seat as well. But Melissa says either way, she's never seen anything like this before. I think Tennessee politics over the last month have been uh, unexpected in many different ways, but definitely um, I think the speed at which this situation developed over the last two weeks is um, unprecedented. Today on the show, how the Tennessee legislature silenced dissent and whether it could happen again. I'm Mary C. Curtis, filling in for Mary Harris. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. To understand why things erupted in Tennessee's legislature, there are a few things you need to know. The first is that Republicans hold a supermajority. That means they don't need any Democrat support to push through their legislative agenda. The second is that things have been tense between the GOP and the expelled lawmakers for a long time. So I asked Melissa to tell me about them. You know, former representatives Pearson and Jones are among the youngest lawmakers or were among the youngest lawmakers in the House. Um, Both rose up through advocacy circles. Justin Jones, um, he's a Fisk University graduate here in Nashville, and he sort of rose to prominence in the community for directly challenging lawmakers. He has been arrested before at the Capitol for engaging in acts of civil disobedience. He's had very heated exchanges with lawmakers. He's even accused of throwing a, a cup of liquid at a former speaker. He, for several years, has, has directly challenged 
some of the actions of the Republican supermajority, and this is before he was elected. Are you, are you tied to photo ops, Governor? Are you tied to photo ops when children are dying? Representative Pearson is from Memphis. He really rose to prominence after co-founding a group to block a pipeline being built in um, some Memphis neighborhoods. He kind of first became interested in advocacy as a teenager in high school in, in Memphis when he realized that his class didn't have enough textbooks and he sort of went above the head of his school leadership to a school board meeting and sort of revealed the situation that he and his classmates were in and that ended up getting the job done and they ended up getting the books that they needed. There's, there's a history that chooses racist capitalism and economic exploitation over the lives of people. That history is possible. And that, in fact, is too often the history of this country. Gloria Johnson is from Knoxville, and she is in her 60s. She has been in the General Assembly for um, several years and is more of a, a known quantity there. But she has also always been a very outspoken progressive, and she's also clashed with uh, Republican leadership. She was the only vote not in favor, sort of a procedural vote, several years ago to reelect Speaker Cameron Sexton as House Speaker. And she was the only person not to vote yes on that. And she alleged that he retaliated against her at the time and um, moved her office into a very small, windowless conference room. The voters in my district are just as important as the voters in Cameron Sexton's district. And they deserve an office for their district for them to come and meet their representative. And so I think you see a similar thread with the three here um, is that they have in the past clashed and openly challenged uh, leadership and their constituencies know them. And um, Representative Pearson and Representative Jones won in absolute landslide elections, um, not even close. And so they were definitely known quantities. They are supported um, within their districts. And I think that's sort of the interesting environment that we're in now. Interesting. So as we mentioned, in the wake of the Covenant School shooting last month, members of the Tennessee House met. Did they convene specifically to discuss guns, gun control? Was it on the agenda? On March 27th, a few hours after the shooting, it was not specifically um, to discuss gun control. They usually have um, house sessions on Monday evenings and Thursday mornings. And so it just happened, the shooting occurred on a Monday morning, and so they were scheduled to to come into session um, a few hours later. So that's what led them, Justin Jones, Justin Pearson, and Gloria Johnson, to take to the floor. They were rallying for stricter gun control? Yes, I think that they were rallying specifically to support the crowd who had gathered outside. And the crowd was calling for gun reform. And I think that they felt that moving on with the regular House calendar was being disrespectful or ignoring the cries and the calls of the crowd. The hundreds of people who had sort of descended on the Capitol to call for change in the wake of the really awful Covenant tragedy. That gun reform protest drew hundreds to the Tennessee Capitol building. 
By all accounts, it was a peaceful protest, but conservatives quickly started painting a different picture. A lot of misinformation spread very quickly about what happened at the Capitol. My colleague and I actually wrote sort of a fact check, which is not something we do all the time, but we felt it was really important because it felt like on social media spiraled out of control very quickly. There were no arrests at the Capitol. There was no property damage. There were some very tense moments among the crowd. But all in all, you know, Tennessee Highway Patrol confirmed to me it was a peaceful protest. But we saw in sort of the hours and days after March 30th, um, several Republicans who sort of took some conservative media spin um, and ran with it that they likened it to an insurrection, even though there was no violence, which was confirmed to us by authorities. We didn't see it. You know, I was on the ground. But Republicans' argument is that by breaking the House rules, they really threw the House into chaos and that, you know, if if action was not taken against them, if um, precedent was not set, they would never be able to hold a House session again without something like that happening. And so they said it was an unprecedented act by the trio and so that they needed to take unprecedented steps. And they had, when did they strip them of their committee assignments and revoke their ID access? We heard sometime on Monday, April 3rd, that they had been stripped of their committees. Um, Representative Pearson had actually not been seated on any committees because he was a very new lawmaker. And so he he had not had that chance to be seated yet. So Representative Jones and Representative Johnson were stripped of their committees. We then heard um, from Representative Johnson um, and a few other people that sometime over the weekend, their badge access to the building had been canceled. And the Speaker's office confirmed that to us on Monday. And so that's when we really began to understand that this would probably, the the conference assignments would probably not be the end of the sanctions that Republicans would pursue against the three lawmakers. Well, let's talk about the expulsion hearings that took place. A rally against gun violence was already planned at the Capitol that day last week. And then people showed up to protest the House vote, the Tennessee House vote on the expulsion of the three Democratic lawmakers. Can you describe the scene outside the Capitol that morning? A lot of people were there. The galleries were filled, which is a little more than 200 people. And the galleries were very quiet on Thursday because they knew if they yelled or were disruptive in any, any way, they might get completely kicked out. The interesting thing is the House had an entire regular session to get to. So we went into the House around 9 a.m. You know, more than 200 members of the public were in the galleries waiting to to watch the expulsion votes. And we still had to get through about three and a half hours of a regular calendar. And so, you know, expulsion hearings didn't start until early afternoon. And it ended up being just an absolute marathon day inside the Tennessee House for nearly 12 hours. Wow, so you were there till the evening? Yes. It wasn't until 7 or 8 that um, the final vote happened. So it was a very long process, a very exhausting day, I think, for everyone. But the crowd stayed, the, the gallery stayed full. People kept trying to get in, and there were no seats. So it was definitely, it, it felt like all of the attention was, was on the Tennessee House on Thursday evening. After the break, the expulsions and the fallout. Expulsion proceedings on Thursday were incredibly dramatic, even if the outcome wasn't surprising. 
Representative Jones used his time at the podium to call again for gun reforms. And that until we act, there will be no peace for the thousands of children who came here demanding that we act, who are afraid that if they're in school, they will be gunned down because you have passed laws to make it easier to get a gun than it is to get health care. Representative Pearson treated his podium like a preacher's pulpit. It's a prophecy. It's a prophecy that came out of the cotton fields. It's a prophecy that came out of the lynching tree. It's a prophecy that still lives in each and every one of us in order to make the state of Tennessee the place that it ought to be. And so I've still got hope because I know we are still here and we will never quit. How did the crowds in the galleries respond when the vote came down? I know you've tweeted your reactions. So um, the expulsion hearings went Jones, Johnson, and Pearson. Um, the reactions to Jones and Johnson were fairly muted, I think, due to concerns about getting um, kicked out of the galleries. Um, so we can actually hear, it's interesting, you can sit on the House floor and you you could hear, um, it would be to my left, um, the crowds outside the chamber and oftentimes during parts of, you know, Representative Jones or Representative Johnson's speech, you could hear sort of the crowd swell. And when the votes came down, you could hear the crowd reaction out there, but not inside. But at the end of this, like I said, very marathon, long day, when Representative Pearson's vote came down, um, the galleries really exploded. It was the loudest I have ever heard inside the House. All those in favor, vote aye. All those opposed, vote no. And a lot of chants, a lot of shouts of fascists. Um, Across the way from me, two people began unfurling a banner, um, which a staff member quickly ripped down. Um, But it was interesting. It was so loud. They drowned out the speaker who was reading off the finding of expulsion against Representative Pearson. And instead of clearing the galleries, the speaker instead, because it was the end of the night, the speaker instead adjourned, and which allowed lawmakers to leave. Um, so rather than the speaker emptying the galleries and making the public leave, the lawmakers just left while, you know, the public and the galleries continued yelling and shouting. But it was truly, it's unfortunate we don't have, I need a synonym for the word unprecedented because that has been said so much over the past two weeks. Um, but it was an unprecedented night, unprecedented expulsion actions, and then the crowd reaction, um, I felt was unprecedented as well. I've just, I've never heard that level of noise inside the Tennessee House before. I also think there's undeniably a racial overtone. I mean, the, the two Black young men were expelled and also some of the language. Yeah, I, I definitely think that cannot be ignored about the situation. Republican lawmakers expelled the youngest two Black legislators in the General Assembly, um, which obviously reduces an already minority caucus. And it should be noted that, you know, uh, Representative Pearsons and Jones defended themselves in the expulsion proceedings. Uh, Representative Johnson, who survived by a single vote, her case was at times argued by two former lawmakers who are both white men. Um, and I think that is an important thing to note about sort of the environments inside the, the House chamber on Thursday. And even Representative Johnson, when asked why she 
thought that she survived said it might have to do with the color of our skin. Right. I talked to her at the end of the house session before she left and I asked her, you know, what do you think the difference was? And she kind of looked at me and the implication was, why are you even asking that? Uh, But then that's what she said, that um, she is, you know, a a 60-something white woman. Um, She's been in the legislature for a few years. And then, you know, Representative Pearson and Jones are are young black men um, who are very new to this environment. And I think she's been very um, vocal and transparent that that's the reason that she believes the difference. I couldn't help wondering how things could have gone differently. As you say, this is the most extreme punishment uh, they could have meted out. So I'm asking if Republicans were unhappy with the conduct of the three, were there alternative ways to express that? Could they have received a warning, censure? Mm -hmm. Definitely. I think, and this is, so the House, House Speaker Cameron Sexton held sort of a media availability after and someone asked, why not suspend them? Um, which is not actually an option. And House Speaker Sexton said, you know, maybe we should consider adding that as an option. But there were lesser sanctions, stripping of committees, basically some procedural ways to sideline a lawmaker from the decision-making process in the General Assembly. But expulsion is obviously, I think someone called it a nuclear option, and it is a nuclear option. And it has only been used in the past in the most severe situations. And I think that may be something that lawmakers think about going forward is maybe they should add more incremental sanctions to House rules, to General Assembly rules. Um, but there are certainly options to to sanction lawmakers that do not rise to expulsion. But Republicans argued that the protest was unprecedented, and so it required an unprecedented response, I think, is the general argument. Who's going to represent Jones and Pearson's constituents? These are 150,000 or so folks. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing, and I was thinking about this on Thursday, is the Republican supermajority pursued these expulsions, but it's unclear what they may have gained by it. They have now skyrocketed the political platforms of Representative Pearson and Representative Jones. Expulsion in and of itself does not prevent you from reseeking election. And they could be reappointed because the Constitution allows the General Assembly the powers to police its body. But if they police a body, they empty a seat. Um, The Constitution allows a county's electoral uh, body to fill a seat in an interim. And so the Nashville Council and the Shelby County legislative body um, have the authority to tap someone to fill their seats. And we see right now local lawmakers are moving pretty quickly to try to see what they can do because, like I said earlier, both of those former representatives were elected by a landslide and they're very popular with their constituents. I'd imagine by now listeners and all the folks who have watched this play out are thinking, could this happen in my state? So could you explain just how singular was what happened in Tennessee, singular to Tennessee, and could it be replicated elsewhere? Mm. You know, I can't I can't speak specifically about every state, but I think most state legislatures have mechanisms in place to remove lawmakers. Um, and I think rightfully so, um, that in certain situations, 
that is something that would need to be taken. Um, for example, um, the previous times that expulsions have been used here in Tennessee were when people have been convicted of felonies. And so they have to be expelled after that. So I think it, it is dependent state by state, but most of most state legislatures do have mechanisms to to expel. I think what is different about Tennessee right now is that Republican supermajority. They needed, um, I believe it was 66 votes on Thursday to expel a lawmaker. And the Republican caucus easily has those votes. Um, they don't need to work with anyone across the aisle to uh, make that decision. It definitely could happen in another state. Um, I think you need sort of the conditions to be ripe for it. Um, but that is sort of the the framework and the foundation of, of how we got here in Tennessee. Well, let's get back to the thing that started it, what we talked about earlier that sometimes gets lost, which is gun violence. Will that issue play a larger role in the final weeks of the legislative session in Tennessee? Any proposed legislation, anything? I think that's the major question right now. So on Monday, leadership led by Governor Bill Lee issued sort of a school safety package, but it all involves school security measures. No legislation regarding um, gun access or, or gun reform. So the governor is pushing millions more in his budget, which hasn't yet been voted on. Um, so they're amending that budget to include things like paying for an armed guard at every school. And there are a lot of opponents to this that say this is not um, directly addressing the issue. Interestingly, Governor Lee, you know, I spoke to him I asked him specifically if he would support a red flag law, something similar that we saw like in, in Florida after the Parkland shooting. And he won't specifically say that he would support a quote red flag law, but he does say that he does not believe people who are a danger to themselves or to others should have access to firearms, which is sort of at the heart of what a red flag law is. But he is on record saying that he is calling for lawmakers to bring him proposed legislation that might deal with that. And right now we haven't seen anything. Another interesting facet is that the Senate Judiciary Committee, which is a, a pretty powerful committee in the other chamber of the, the General Assembly, the committee's chairman in the wake of Covenant basically started blocking all gun bills. Some of them would have increased access to guns. Some of them would have been more sort of gun reform measures. But he basically said, you know, he felt it was disrespectful to consider any any related legislation in the in the wake of Covenant. And so it sort of remains to be seen if some gun reform legislation does bubble up, if it would even be allowed to be heard in the Judiciary Committee. Democrats are definitely trying to, to bring some bills before the end of session, but they would certainly have to have some bipartisan support to get any movement on those. And we don't see any movement on that yet. Well, we've seen that if the goal of the Tennessee legislature was to silence the Tennessee Three, the opposite has happened. Before the expulsion, few people might have heard of them, but now they've been given a national platform. They've been hitting every show and they're spreading their message. Will that make a difference to their cause? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, it has to be noted that they really have just skyrocketed their platforms um, by expelling them from the legislature. They are now known, I think, across the country. And it's sort of 
you know, what do we call it, the, the Streisand effect of House Republicans sort of overreached and now created a real opponent, you know, in their backyards. And that's definitely something to watch. Thank you, Melissa Brown, for coming on What Next? Thank you so much for having me. Melissa Brown covers state politics for the Tennessean. That's the show. If you're a fan of What Next, the best way to support our work is to join Slate Plus. Go to slate.com slash whatnextplus to sign up. What Next is produced by Elena Schwartz, Anna Phillips, Paige Osborne, and Madeline Ducharme. We're getting help from Laura Spencer. We're led by Alicia Montgomery with a little help from Susan Matthews. Ben Richmond is the Senior Director of Podcast Operations here at Slate. And I'm Mary C. Curtis, columnist at Roll Call and host of its Equal Time podcast. Find me on Twitter. I'm at mcurtisnc3. Thanks for listening. Talk to you tomorrow. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.